1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. playing it along with the
2: left. That's a grand slam.
3: This is Sports Open Live win. on America's Sports Voice. What's down, Kansas City! KMOX. We do
4: continue on here on a Thursday night into hour number two of the program. My name is Matt Pauly. If you can tell that I'm trying to catch my breath, I am. Matt Pajeski. do we dare tell the story of what just happened since, uh, well, he's walking away. So this is part of what's going to be coming up today at 8 o'clock. We are going to have uh, the first edition of uh, the St. Louis City Soccer Report. Nate Gatter is going to be uh, leading the way on this as uh, we've talked to him. He's going to join us, actually, uh, later on this hour. But uh, we're going to be doing a lot of soccer stuff, and it's going to be uh, two hours on soccer, and that's going to be coming up tonight from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So you're probably going, okay, so what in the world does that have to do with why you're a little bit out of breath? Well, this is the answer to that question. Um, our, our own Matt Pajeski, and he has now walked out of the studio, so he can't even hear me talking at this very moment he could not find his keys we've all been in that situation right you can't find your keys you always lose your keys at the at the worst possible moment so matt Pajeski loses his keys and he's got the clicker to allow nate into our garage he can't find his keys so he can't get to the clicker i have a clicker in my car so I say, okay, I'll go open up the garage. So I run out to my car. I find the clicker. I get in the elevator. I go down to street level. I get the, uh, I get the garage opened up, and uh, then I get back up here. And it just took a little bit of time, and now I am a little bit out of breath as I was uh, running. I heard um, somebody said uh, that uh, one of the pieces of advice that Jack Buck used to always give was never run to a microphone because if you run to a microphone, you're going to be out of breath, and it doesn't sound great. And that is fantastic advice, which I evidently did not follow through with. So uh, here we go. So we might uh, be just uh, a little bit out of breath here uh, during the course of, uh, of of this segment. 314-436-7900. 314 uh, 436 That's how you uh, call. That's how you uh, text. You can also uh, tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pawley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air there was a little bit of a a Twitter debate that started over the course of the weekend. And the debate was somewhat facilitated by uh, Martin Kilcoin from uh, Fox two about whether or not sports fans in St. Louis should, should be in the keyword should be chiefs fans. Uh, Because if you're looking, obviously we don't have an NFL team anymore in St. Louis. So if you're looking for, a team to root for, well, you got a couple things going for you with the chiefs. They're in the same state, they're just a few hours away, and they're really, really good. So there's a lot of reasons to like the chiefs i I've said this over and over. I think I think you could do um I, I think it would be interesting, and I don't know where this would really play out, but I, I think like from a from an educational, from an academic standpoint. I think it would be really interesting to look at what the Kansas City Chiefs did and what the Indianapolis Colts did when the Rams left St. Louis. The Chiefs took over St. Louis. If you go to Target and you go to the area where they've got like Cardinal stuff and Blue stuff, they've got Chiefs stuff. They don't have any Colts stuff. Now, we could also maybe kind of mention the Bears and all this as well. I mean, basically... The Chiefs, the Bears, and the Colts, they're all within a half hour or so in terms of distance from St. Louis, but we don't like Chicago, so it was never going to be the Bears, right? Like there's, you're just not going to be promoting a Chicago team. I, I know there's a little bit, a little bit of a Cardinals rival, Royals rivalry, but if we're being really honest about things, the Cardinals mean more from a negative standpoint, like the Royals fans enjoy beating the Cardinals. Cardinals fans don't really care about beating the Royals. It's not a, it is not an even relationship in terms of that rivalry. So there's there's no reason to really hate Kansas City, and it's the team on the western side of the state. So the Chiefs did everything that they were supposed to do. The Colts probably missed out on opportunity. If you're the Indianapolis Colts, you probably should have jumped on the opportunity to try to take St. Louis to be uh, the the NFL team of of the city. But the Chiefs did it. The Chiefs did a good job of it. And now if you go to Walmart, if you go to Target, if you go wherever, you're going to see Chiefs gear. And you're rarely, if ever, going to see Colts gear. But the question was, and this has been kind of percolating on social media for uh, the last few days. The question is, is it right? Should sports fans in St. Louis be cheering for for the Chiefs? And Look, you can cheer for whoever you want, right? Like it's not like you grow in Saint grew up in St. Louis, so you're a Cardinals and Blues fan. I don't think you grow up in St. Louis, so you are a Chiefs fan. Like that's I don't think it's that uh it doesn't work that way. But there are a good you I see a lot of Chiefs stuff. I see a, a fair amount of Chiefs stuff. There's a lot of football fans in St. Louis and they wanna have a team. So the Chiefs are the team. And I know people bring up the fact that Kansas City was one of the uh teams, the ownership for the Chiefs absolutely were one of the teams that voted uh, along with the Rams moving to Los Angeles, so maybe they shouldn't be the team that that St. Louis sports fans root for, and I think that's legit. Like of all the of all the arguments against the Chiefs, well, if you want to find the team, go find the teams that did not vote in that direction, and maybe that's the way to go. But yeah, I mean, it was going to happen. It was it was always going to end up happening. And I've seen other arguments about, well, you know, the, are they are they Blues fans in in Kansas City? You know, that would be kind of weird. You're talking about something a little bit different. You know, I was on the show today uh with uh with Ron Amy, and we were talking about the NHL TV viewership this year. And if you didn't see the numbers, it's not good for for the NHL. TV numbers are down about 22% for the National Hockey League this year in terms of the national TV broadcast. I think I think it's a really simple reason why last year was the first year of the new NHL-TV contract with ESPN and Turner, and they made a really big deal of it, and there was a lot of promotion behind it, and there were people who weren't hockey fans who tried it out, and that that lasted one year. You don't see as much promotion on it anymore. It's it's not new anymore. So all those people who didn't watch hockey, watched a little bit of hockey last year, they're going back to not watching hockey. And People are trying to dig in a little bit more on on why that might be. I don't don't think it's anything beyond the fact that last year was the first year of the new TV contract. There was a lot of pomp and circumstance that went along with it, and now that doesn't exist anymore. So whatever bump they may have gotten last year as a result of that, it has completely gone away. But the point I'm trying to make when it comes to comparing the two is a national NHL broadcast is going to go get you like 400,000 people, basically. And a national NFL broadcast is going to get you millions, millions on top of millions on top of millions of people. The, it is still, the NFL is still the biggest professional sports league in the United States of America. And there's, there's probably, I don't know, I was about to say I don't know if this is true or not. I was about to say there's still probably, even in St. Louis, a city with no NFL team and with a hockey team, there may still be more people in St. Louis that would consider themselves football fans who don't watch hockey. And I'm not sure if that's true or not. That would be interesting to kind of go through because obviously St. Louis is a great hockey market and and the Blues are supported in, in great ways. And there's a reason that when players come to St. Louis and join the Blues, so many of them end up sticking around St. Louis for a long time. We live in a fantastic, fantastic hockey community. But the bottom line is that, that that argument of, well, St. Louis fans shouldn't be rooting for the Chiefs because Kansas City fans don't root for the Blues, it's an apples and oranges uh, comparison. It's just it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. So I find it interesting that there's so many people out there that take a little bit of offense to the fact that a lot of people in St. Louis are rooting for the Chiefs. I don't have a problem for it, with it. I like the Chiefs. I've, I went to school in Kansas. I obviously grew up here. I grew up, uh, in, you know, when I was, what, the Rams got here in 96, 98? What was it? What year? The late late 90s when they got here. So I was 15, 16 years old, and at that point, all my football allegiances jumped to the Rams, and then they went away from the Rams the moment that they uh, left here. But, yeah, it's if you want to root for the Chiefs, root for the Chiefs. And I don't understand why there's some people out there pushing that there should be some sort of rivalry between uh, St. Louis and uh, Kansas City. Of course, I say all that knowing that we are your home for the Chiefs here on CAMOX. Uh, and the other side of that is, speaking of that, the broadcaster, Mitch Holtus, is as good of a football broadcaster as exists out there. So when you listen to the games, you're able to uh, very, very much enjoy it. All right, we're going to keep talking football. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, Battlehawks. Battlehawks head coach Anthony Becht had a media availability yesterday. What did he have to say with the season right around the corner? We'll uh, hear some of his comments coming up in just a moment as we roll on. It is Sports Open Line on KMOX.
0: Minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for walk well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com
5: After the end of a good fight you deserve a nice cold reward. is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward.
4: Open Line does continue here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pawley. As always, if you want to uh, chime in on anything that uh, we've got going on, you can do so. 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also uh, tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, just a, a blatant plug, because that's what we do sometimes here. We have our Cardinals Conversations podcast feed. It's available at KMOX.com. It's also available on the Odyssey app. So like yesterday, we had our Countdown to Opening Day show, which featured an interview with Chip Carey. It featured an interview with Scott Rowland. It featured an interview with Andre Pellante. If you missed any of that, well, you can just go to the Cardinals Conversations podcast feed, and you can find it right there. Plus, uh, it's kind of a slow buildup but we're starting to put more and more exclusive podcast content on that podcast feed. So everything we do Cardinals-related on the air here at KMOX, it is on that podcast feed. But we also do some stuff that's not on the air here, and the only way you can find it is by going there. For example, I do a uh, interview each week with a uh, different individual who— either podcast or blogs about the Cardinals on their own who just smart baseball people who have something to say about the team each week I uh, I, I sit down with someone 20 25 30 minutes and we just have a uh, a good uh, conversation about uh, about the Cardinals and that's exclusively available on the Cardinals Conversations podcast feed and um and yeah so there you go Got a text message. I was just talking about the uh, the hockey fandom in St. Louis, not in St. Louis, but uh, across the country uh, with these TV uh, viewership numbers going down. I was talking about the Kansas City-St. Louis rivalry and everything, and um, got an interesting text message. Said, yesterday I heard the reason that hockey fans are declining is because of no rivalries. Today you're perplexed about why people want to create a Kansas City-St. Louis rivalry. They are good for the game. Okay, I'm not saying that rivalries are not Good for the game. Cardinals Cubs is good for the game. Absolutely, 100%. But there is no Kansas City St. Louis rivalry when it comes to football. St. Louis doesn't have a team. So there's no there's no rivalry there to speak of. So that's that's the difference there. And the whole, you know, the NHL is going to try to do uh a scheduling system where you are playing more of your regional rivals and I think that's good for for multiple reasons. It's good for travel reasons, it's good for uh just fan excitement. But when when I'm when I'm perplexed what I would be perplexed about is why there would be an anti-Chiefs sentiment just because the Chiefs happen to play in Kansas City. If St. Louis had a team, that would be different. But there's no team there, so there's no rivalry to be had. That's my very simplistic view of this whole thing. Uh, The St. Louis Battlehawks, they are going to be uh, opening up the season very soon. Just uh, a couple weeks out, they are going to uh, open up the season on Sunday, February 19th. They will play uh, in San Antonio. They will not play their first home game until Sunday, March 12th. And uh, then they're going to play a couple home games uh, before going on the road again. uh, Looking forward to this season, again, it's going to uh, get started on February 19th, and the regular season is going to go through April 22nd. Uh, Their head coach, Anthony Becht, had a media session yesterday, talked a little bit about how a training camp is uh, going, as that is uh, taking place right now down in Texas.
3: Training camp, uh, you know, is going really well. Uh, Our guys are uh, working hard. Um, uh, The tempo, the culture is starting to build. Guys are buying in, which is great um obviously we hit a little snafu so far this week with the weather um we were supposed to have a, a scrimmage um uh, with the league uh to go over some of the broadcast stuff we we're going to utilize that as kind of a game day procedure situation we weren't able to do that and uh right now we're trying to make the most of the weather so we've been in the hotel we're maximizing our time with walkthroughs, meetings. Uh, we, we got regen and, uh, uh, player activation, stretching. We're doing some, some workout stuff in the hotel, some treadmill running, anything we can do to kind of condition these guys, uh, uh, kind of keep their bodies going until we can get on the field. Hopefully we can get there tomorrow afternoon. It's just, it's just cold. We're waiting for the temperatures to drop. So, you know, Friday may be the day where we finally get back on, but, uh, you know, we're just kind of pushing them mentally right now. And it's been good. Guys are good. Like I said, uh, they, they understand they're all being pros, and we're just trying to make the best of our situation.
4: Yeah, they did not expect there to be very cold weather in Texas as they're trying to get training camps underway. Uh, thought that the weather would obviously be a little bit warmer than it is, but uh, th- that's going to be just a, a momentary little lapse here, and everything's going to be okay, and uh, they'll be able to get things rolling here up pretty, uh, pretty soon. Uh, Beck also talked yesterday about uh, the process of finalizing the roster.
3: Yeah, so uh, we do have to make uh, cuts. We have 70 right now, all the teams do. We'll have to bring that down to 50 uh, at the end of next week. Um, So, you know, probably that Thursday, Friday, we'll make those cuts, and then we'll build our roster and get rocking and rolling for that weekend, preparing for week one. Yes, that's right around the corner,
4: and it's going to be fun to see how everything goes. I think I'm really curious right now from like a, a business of sports perspective, this is a very cool time for St. Louis sports with a couple teams coming in. I know the Battlehawks had an existence uh, in St. Louis before, but that technically that was a different league. It, it was just, it, this is a restart of everything. And we'll see at that time, St. Louis football fans really had that chip on their shoulder trying to show and prove to everybody that St. Louis is a good football market. And it is. St. Louis football fans are fantastic. We did not lose the Rams because of St. Louis football fans. If anything, St. Louis football fans showed how good they were continuing to support that team at a fairly high level through all the crap that was put on the field on a week-in, week-out basis. But I do think that that football chip on our shoulder has dissipated a little bit as time has gone by, and it, it feels a little bit different now with this second version of the Battlehawks against the first version. I still think they're going to be supported. I'm still sure that they're going to be one of the uh, more highly attended games uh, in the XFL. Now, their season's going to get started. Yep. There's going to be some some crossover time between the uh, between the Battlehawks and also uh, with City coming in and starting. And I guess what I'm curious about, and I don't even know where to go with this, is what impact are the two teams going to have on each other? And my first inclination is that they're not, that... That they're they're going to exist, and they're going to be supported at a high level. And uh, if only one of them existed uh, that in, a, in an alternate universe, that it wouldn't have been a whole lot of difference in terms of how many people are actually attending. Anything about the city, they're, they'll be fully sold out. It doesn't matter what else is going on. They're going to be uh, fully sold out. And I expect the Battle Hawks to have a lot of people there as well. I do... I do think that the first version of the Battle Hawks did just an incredible job of being in the community. They were based here. They were. Uh, they were out all over the place Uh, they were very visible and now with a lot of the operations running out Texas and and the players and the coaches coming in and they'll spend you know some of the individuals spend some time during the week here but everybody's being transported back and forth on a weekly basis that is one of the challenges for them is making sure that uh, they find a way to be part of the community when so many of them are not in the community for most of the week and they're doing fine, they, and they've got they've got people on the ground in St. Louis. It's not like everything is running out of um, out of Texas, but just watching whatever happens here over the next like two months as we see the Battle Hawks get started, we see City uh, get started, and just the way that uh, each each program, each team is going to be supported. I think it's going to be fun to uh, to watch, and uh, it's it's always good to have more stuff. I made a joke on Twitter. So the Arena Football League is coming back. And I remember going to... St. Louis was it? Uh, was it the Stampede? I think it was the Stampede, the St. Louis Stampede games in the Arena Football League. And then I know there was a there was a million different versions of indoor football that played in uh, in St. Louis after that. Uh, whether the games were played at uh, what is now the Enterprise Center, or if they were played at the uh, Family Arena, uh, but the the one I remember was the actual Arena Football League, and that team only existed for maybe a, a couple years. But that was lots of fun, and I saw that the Arena Football League is making a comeback, and St. Louis probably isn't going to get a team because they didn't have a team through much of the run of the Arena Football League. But I would love for St. Louis to uh, to have a team because arena football can certainly be a whole lot of fun. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me if you would like as well. At Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. When we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, Brian uh, Fat Flasspoler. Uh, He is going to be uh, teaching a history of Cardinals class uh, in the city of Manchester. And uh, we'll get some details from him on that. That's going to be coming up in just a moment as we roll on after this. It's Sports Open Line on KMOX.
1: I'm Miles Michaelis, and you're listening to Sports Open Line on KMOX.
4: Rolling on. On a Thursday night, I'll tell you what, there's something that's going to be uh, really cool going on uh, in the city of Manchester beginning uh, here on uh, February 8th. If I was not going to uh, spring training myself, this is something that I would probably uh, would have enjoyed being able to go to. It's going to be 1 to 3 in the afternoon on Wednesdays. It's going to be a, a class, the history of baseball in St. Louis. and uh, the uh, It's going to be uh, facilitated by, taught by, whatever you want to say, uh, Brian Flasspoler, who is uh, a baseball researcher and also the author of a history of baseball in St. Louis. And he joins us right now, Brian, thanks so much for uh, taking some time with us. How are you?
6: I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, we're
4: uh, glad to have you on. And I think this is something that's uh, really cool for, uh, for baseball fans to be able to uh, take advantage of again, it's going to go from February 8th to uh, March 29th city of uh, Manchester is where uh, folks can uh, take part of it. So just go through a little bit uh, over this six week uh, period, what are people going to be uh, learning about from you?
6: So, uh, I mean, this is a new thing for uh city of Manchester. They haven't done anything like this before. Uh, so we're, uh, pretty excited about it. Uh, it's going to cover St. Louis baseball history, not just the Cardinals, but everything St. Louis from uh, 1860 all the way to the present day. So a uh, pretty broad stretch there. Um, the first class is going to be the, what I like to call the Dead Sea Scrolls of baseball history. <laughs> it's the the really old stuff. Uh, and then after that, we'll be doing 20-year increments uh marching right up to the present day so uh i think it's going to be a lot of fun um and it's not just going to be me standing there talking uh although you know i love to talk i'm i am be happy to happy to talk all i can but uh the idea is to uh have people you know share their memories also of uh of baseball and obviously that's not probably going to happen quite as much in the first class or two because nobody's really been alive for that stuff but uh uh, it'll definitely happen in the more the more modern classes. So
4: you're a you're a saber guy, and it really feels like over the last maybe five years or so. That organization, from city to city to city, more and more people are getting involved. There's a lot more research going on on the on the history of the game. Uh, how much has being part of that group uh, really helped lead you to not just writing your book, but also being able to uh, put together the curriculum for this class?
6: Um, well, a lot, and and I've been a member of Saber for uh, close to thirty years now, but. Uh, I retired just a, a couple of years ago, and um, just to start devoting more time to research. And I think some people still they hear saber and they go saber metrics, and that's just the numbers guys, and that's not saber really at all. I mean, saber obviously a part of it is numbers, but saber is about all things baseball history. Um, and some of the two, you know, two of the big projects that they've been working on more recently are. Uh, the Bio Project, which is a pretty audacious uh, plan to write a bio for every person who's ever appeared in a Major League Baseball game. And that's like 24,000 people. Mm. So it's a pretty pretty, uh, massive task. Uh, And they do game stories. So they're doing, you know, people are researching, uh, you know, specific games that they have interest in. Um, So, you know, there are for free for anyone through the Sabre website. Uh, you can go in there, look up your favorite player, and, and see if they have a bio written on them already. I, there's over 5,000 biographies uh, that have already been written. So uh, pretty much everybody you've ever thought or heard of has a bio in there. And, and yeah, Sabre is, you know, we're about the numbers, but we're about, you know, the history of the game. And it's the organization is uh, – is always trying to stress that it's about everything, not just the numbers.
4: So in your class, the the first week is one where i got to think that there's going to be a lot of things that's talked about that people have never heard about before. It's going to span from 1875 to 1919. You mentioned earlier just the fact that this is not just Cardinals baseball. This is the history of baseball in in the city of St. Louis. What has it been like for you doing the research, going all the way back and and finding out details uh, when you go back that far?
6: I mean, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. I uh, maybe it's not a lot of fun for everybody, hmm. but uh, you know, going and looking at all the old newspapers and seeing how how this stuff was covered uh back then, it's just amazing. Um and yeah, the 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 first class actually goes it starts in 1860, although major league baseball uh started in 1875 in St. Louis, but uh the first game ever in St. Louis was in eighteen sixty, at least that people know about you know um but it is amazing the you know it you kind of have to piece together little scraps and tidbits of information because you know it just wasn't covered like it like it is now or even like it was most of the twentieth century uh so you know we we flip through pages and just look for little scraps of anything that we can find about a game in eighteen eighty or something. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's why I kind of refer to it as the Dead Sea Scrolls of baseball history, because you're just looking for any little scrap you can find to try to put something together. Um, but, uh, given that there's a ton of people who have done a lot of great research in in you know, pre 20th century baseball, um, all over and, and yeah, people don't realize that St. Louis has had major league teams in basically every league that has ever existed as a major league except for the players league. And that was only, that only lasted one year. So there's been a lot of those teams, but most of them have been, or were pre 19th or, you know, pre 20th century teams. They were in the 19th century. So,
4: I, I can't. So I was working in Evansville, Indiana for a minor league baseball team. I remember we were doing a Negro leagues night and we knew the date that Josh Gibson had played a game And I had a project to go to the library and go through old newspapers and just try to find something. And there was basically... Nothing, And obviously with it being Negro Leagues and uh, the racism and everything that existed at the time, maybe it was covered in a little bit different way. But I just I remember being so shocked when I that that I'm going through all the archives and I could find absolutely nothing. So I always I always appreciate and really respect people like you and other folks in Sabre who do so much work like going through archives and beyond newspapers and just finding tidbits because it is not easy.
6: Right. And, you know, Negro Leagues is a lot like, I mean, it was like 19th century baseball. The records were poorly kept. And um, up until 20 years ago, it was really hard to tease out information. Um, But, you know, a lot of Sabre people have done a lot of great work uh, looking at, you know, newspapers that have been digitized and putting you know, those statistics together. So, I mean, that was really the driver behind Major League Baseball, declaring the Negro Leagues a major league um, was really the work that those researchers did to put all that information together. Um, and, of course, this class, we definitely will talk talk about the St. Louis Stars, um, who were, was our team, you know, in the Negro Leagues from 20 to 31. Um, and a good team. They won, they won three pennants in four years uh in the Negro National League. So and that's competing against the powerhouse, you know, Kansas City ma- Monarchs. So um that they'll definitely be uh they'll be mentioned in the class for sure.
4: Brian Flasspiller continuing to join us. So, so the Class 1 1875 to 1919, Class 2 1920 to 1939, Class 3 1940 to 59, uh, then 60 to 79, then 80 to 99, and then uh, certainly 2000 to uh, present at the end. If folks want to uh, register, they can go to uh, manchestermode.gov slash parks, and uh, you can get registered. And uh, there's one price for residents, 42 dollars for the 6 weeks for non-residents uh just a little bit under $55 so for a 6 week class uh that's uh that's a pretty good uh that's a pretty good price in there. Uh mentioned earlier the fact that you are the uh, writer of the book History of Baseball in St. Louis. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that book and and what they uh do you, is that book a main part of the uh curriculum
6: that you use in this class? So, um yeah, that book was published uh this Well, last year, June 1st, I think, or June 2nd is when it came out. Um, It is, you know, history of baseball in St. Louis. There have been thousands of books written about the history of baseball in St. Louis. My book is a little different take in that uh, it looks at specific addresses in the city and goes to that address and says, hey, this address is baseball related because of. And so. It is not really part of the curriculum of this class. This class is going to talk more about the people and the teams, you know, specifically Uh, that book talks about, you know, it definitely covers people and teams, um, but it really talks about the places. So it's the history of the place and the history of the person associated with the place. And, and it, it, it basically gives you a tour guide around the city of St. Louis to go see all the great baseball sites. And I mean, people just don't, I think they, they overlook what we have here. We had such a rich baseball history and so many players from St. Louis, uh, you know, 270 major league baseball players were born in the city of St. Louis. So there's a ton of history in being able to go to a place on a map and say, yes, this is where, this is where Harry Carey grew up, this house. Uh, this is where, um, you know Silver King, who was a pitcher in the nineteenth century this is this is the house he lived in you know his whole life after his baseball career um, and then go to all the old ballparks, the Negro league parks, the old uh, american association sportsman's park site and and the new parks i mean it's it's really a it's just a neat trip through the city of St Louis, uh, but not really part of the curriculum of this class at least not directly if but, people do you know, want to get research a search kind of oh, excuse yeah, it me. All ties together some yeah, it all ties together in some way or another so
4: if people do want to get a copy of that book, what's the way to do that uh,
6: so it's in uh, I think pretty much all the local bookstores Barnes and nobles definitely have it uh, I think most of the independent bookstores uh, either have a copy or could get one um, it's on Amazon. But you know, honestly, if you just sign up for this class in Manchester, I will be more than happy to you know sell you a discounted copy, sign it, you know, which probably hurts the value of the book if I sign <laughs> it but but uh yeah, I'd be happy to happy to uh sell a copy there too but so yeah it's it's it should be fairly easy to find uh as long as you can spell my name, which is not necessarily easy all the time.
4: F-L-A-S-P-O-H-L-E-R, for people who are uh, wondering. Again,
6: uh,
4: (laughs) Gov slash parks. It is going to be a Wednesday afternoon class, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the afternoon for six weeks, starting on uh, Wednesday, February 8th. $42 $42 for residents in Manchester, fifty-four sixty dollars 60 for uh, non-residents over the course of uh, the su- six weeks. Again, uh, manchestermode.gov slash parks for all the details. Brian, this was a, a fun conversation. Thank you. I hope uh, I hope you get uh, great attendance uh, at the class and uh, glad to get to know you a little bit. And uh, we may lean on you for some uh, history of baseball stuff moving forward.
6: Absolutely. I love to talk about uh, baseball and baseball history. So anytime you need somebody, I'm happy to happy to
4: fill in. Awesome, that sounds great. There's Brian Flashpoler joining us, a local baseball writer, again, a history of baseball in St. Louis class that's going to begin in Manchester on uh, February 8th and that's going to be a uh, really really cool something that yeah, I look, I'll be honest with you. Don't know much about the history of baseball in St. Louis in the in the 1800s and early 1900s. Um if I was not going to spring training, if this was a, uh, this is something that I would really, uh, get a kick out of and, and enjoy. And this has kind of motivated me to maybe learn a little bit more about some of what uh, what, I, what I don't know when it comes to the history of baseball uh, in St. Louis. So that's uh, very, very cool. And hopefully a lot of people are able to uh, take advantage. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some uh, soccer at City SC right around the corner from uh, getting things rolling. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot of soccer tonight here on KMOX. Don't go anywhere. It's Sports Open Line.
6: I'm Dakota Hudson. I'm Jordan Hicks.
2: I'm Cardinals pitcher, Jack Flaherty. I'm Tommy Edmond. I'm Cardinals outfielder, Jordan Walker. I'm Paul Dion. I'm
0: Woodson Contreras. I'm Adam Wainwright. And you're listening to The Voice of the Cardinals, KMOS.
4: Just a few minutes left in this edition of Sports Open Line here on KMOX, but well, we've got something coming up tonight from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock that's going to be a lot of fun. We are continuing to uh, get set for City SC making their official debut. And we're going to be talking uh, a lot of soccer. It's going to be the St. Louis City Soccer Report that's going to be on tonight from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Our uh, guy Nate Gatter who has been all over our uh, soccer coverage uh, really since uh, City got started with the City 2 games. Going to be a part of it. And also uh, Jen C. Gansner is going to be on the show as well. And uh, they're both joining us right now just to kind of give a preview of what's going on tonight and moving forward. How are you guys doing? I'm good, Matt. How are you? It's good. Good to see you. I think the last time I saw you, we were freezing our uh, our backsides off at the uh at the uh, exhibition against a bear Leverkusen.
2: Yes, we were. Yeah, you had a lot more fun though that night than I think you were expecting coming in. Yeah, I didn't know like what I enjoyed about that. I didn't know what I was
4: looking at. Like I I just I can't break down soccer. I think I've said this to you before, Nate. I would like to get video of a so- of soccer well, of a game and just sit down with you and you like. Talk me through some of the things that are going See, this on. Is,
2: this is the problem when I come here because yeah. then you just you hype me up. Like I know all this stuff about soccer. You I think, do. No, no. You, you you make me out to be the expert. We're going to talk to some experts tonight. That's okay. that's when we're really. You need to be tuned in tonight because you're going to get your soccer education.
4: Uh, I I will be tuned in. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Jen, you've been connected to the soccer for so long in, in so many cool ways, and you've also been connected here at uh, KMOX, and now you get to do this with Nate. I'm really excited for uh, for you.
5: Thank you. Did you just call me old? No, so I, I don't long. think so.
4: <laughs> I don't. When, uh, so when were you officially part so. of KMOX?
5: Um, I was in the first recipient of the Robert Highland Scholarship in 1992. Wow, okay. <laughs> so you... I was at Lindenwood at the time. Okay. So yeah, that's when I started.
4: That's pretty cool. And I know you've been involved in the game and with club soccer, and I believe your husband's been involved. Like, there's right. just There's a lot going on from soccer throughout your entire life. That's pretty much, pretty yeah. much.
5: My my four kids were you know doomed or destined to at least have to play a little bit. Okay. So
4: there you go. <laughs> What's, uh, as you've watched watch the because you're involved in club soccer. I grew up, I grew I graduated from high school in 2001. What has happened maybe in the last 20 years in terms of the level of soccer that we're seeing from a youth standpoint in the city of St. Louis.
5: It's so much more. It's just like it's more is like the one term it's more. It's more organized. There's more of them. There's more happening. There are more clubs. There's more opportunities. Um also, more training we can yeah. always you know from a mother's perspective also you know I feel like I was an overtrained athlete before that was a thing and and I can't I couldn't hold a candle to what a lot of kids are doing now with training so it's just a lot more cool thing is exposure, right mm-hmm. You get to opportunity, but then the other side is you know time management
4: so something that is big for me I've got a daughter I've got a daughter before in March and I want her to see things. Where she knows she can then do things. That's right. And exposure. One of the things I love is the fact that right across from the soccer stadium, you've got the facility. So soccer, young soccer players in this area can be on Highway 40, and they can drive by that right? facility over and over and over, and they can see something that can be part of their future. And I love that.
5: Yeah, me too. It's it's not. It's I don't think some people I don't think understand how cool and and really different that is. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just from the sports, the great sports that we already have here, right? But to have that kind of accessibility and that kind of um, close touch to it is, not, you know, not something that you see everywhere.
2: So Nate, what's uh, what's on the show tonight? We got a lot coming up tonight. We're going to talk to uh, first of all Santiago Beltran, who's been uh, doing the play-by-play for City Two in Spanish on Lead Sports Media. So that'll be fun. Um, Bill McDermott's coming on, of course. He's Mister you know, Soccer, the the yes, Don God. of, of St. Yeah. Louis Soccer, really the the man in every regard. Uh, Tom Timmerman, who writes about soccer for the the Post Dispatch, and he is probably more plugged in than almost anybody in the city. Um, we'll also talk to, to some members of the club, including a couple of players, Jared Stroud and, uh, John Nelson are going to talk to us. A couple of the guys who have been around MLS and, and of course, new additions as they all are to, uh, to city this year. So we're excited. I haven't gotten to hear from many players on these airwaves so far this year. So that'll be enjoyable. Um, and then at the end, we're going to be talking to Peter Wood, who's the, the vice president of content for St. Louis city. I think probably a name that relatively few, even hardcore fans know. But he's been in some ways the architect of a lot of the content and, and City, you know, the, have been so brand centric since they first launched even now a mm-hmm. couple of years ago um, and so focused on content and what they're putting out and building that brand. I think it's going to be really interesting to hear from him, somebody who not only has been on the inside of it, but in, in some ways has has built it himself.
4: I was sitting in the sports office earlier today when you guys were on your Zoom call, and I was listening. You had no clue that I'm sitting there eavesdropping on your call. And I had no clue that Tom Timmerman had such uh, a history with the sport of soccer.
2: He does, yeah. Yeah. It goes back. And I don't know if it was as an intern or if it was shortly after he had graduated from college, but he was at the L.A. Times back in the early 90s when soccer was not really a desirable beat in, uh, in the United States, at least. And he was covering a lot of soccer and he has some great stories, um, even talking about, you know, what did broadcasting in the U.S. of European soccer games look like? That, you know, L.A. had that the the L.A. broadcast, the only broadcast you can get in L.A. of European soccer would be on a tape delay the next day where in order to get English commentary on this, to get L.A. commentators on it, they would have to have the tapes sent like by plane to the United States to then be re-recorded with the the local announcers who sometimes would only get like a sheet of paper with the players numbers and names. And that was it. Isn't that was that the extent of the preparation that was available yeah. to it them <laughs> because you couldn't find, you know, if Leeds United, you know, were are playing against Burnley that just the, that kind of information was not available in the same way back like going into the eighties as it is now, certainly not in the U S Um, And and some of his stories are just amazing. So he's been around MLS since the very beginning, um, and he's been around city probably more so than any other outside media member has been in their preseason prep. It's going to be great to hear from him.
4: It is the St. Louis City Soccer Report. It gets started in just a few minutes after our top of the hour news. No sports open line tomorrow night because of SLU basketball, so I'll be back with you coming up on Monday. But don't go anywhere. Nate and Jen, they've got you for the St. Louis City Soccer Report. That's next right here on KMOX.